0: Hi everybody, the Complex PTSD guy here. I'll start out by saying I'm not a doctor or psychiatrist. I'm just a guy living with Complex PTSD, and I'm sharing my own ideas, experiences, and opinions on this podcast. Today, I wanted to talk about having feelings of losing your identity. Um, so today, I was around some people, uh, people who were part of where my Complex PTSD comes from. And I wanted to point out that I think a lot of times with complex PTSD, especially from childhood, um, I think a lot of times since it's already long-term trauma, that's what complex PTSD is, I think a lot of times once we get into our adulthood, it's almost like in ways that complex trauma still goes on. Um, One kind of character I guess I could relate that to would be like um, on The Sopranos like Tony Soprano and his mother um, that trauma just kept on going and going and then there'd be like times where they he wouldn't want to talk to her or they'd be kind of separated but it would just keep going and going and going or even on the show absolutely fabulous Safi and her mother Adina it's like they have time apart and they fight and then they don't talk for a long time but it just keeps going and going, even if you're, like, away from this person. It's like it just keeps going and going. And sometimes I experience that, too. Um, because the some of the people where my trauma came from, um, I do still see them occasionally. Um, and I'm not going to say who those people are. But, um, you know, I think as you grow up, the world gets smaller and smaller. Um and you tend to run into these people, you know? Sometimes you might see them, depending on where it came from. Now there's all different types of where complex PTSD can come from. Um, but I think for a lot of people, long-term trauma, especially coming from your childhood, comes from like a caregiver. So like even if you were like adopted or you know whatever the situation is, maybe if a teacher gave you long, your complex PTSD, maybe a teacher traumatized you, and as an adult, maybe you see that teacher, you know, maybe you go to like a reunion, a high school reunion or something, and you see them. And, you know, you're around them, and then all the feelings come back up. You know, sometimes we see these people, especially if you live in a small town, you know, maybe somebody in a small town that you live in, you know, did something to you um, over and over for a long period of time. Um, maybe they tortured you in some way, you know, something like that. And even if you live in a big city, like maybe you live in New York City, You know, maybe you grew up in a certain environment. Like, let's just pretend you grew up in theater, and you always did theater, and now you're on Broadway as an adult. And the same directors who tortured you in some, you know, secret way behind the scenes, maybe they're still the directors. You know, it's like, it can happen... And My point is, like, it can still keep uh, reoccurring. I think that happens a lot with complex PTSD, whereas I think PTSD... Like, if I think a lot of people associate that with a war. So, like, if a bomb goes off, you know, I don't know that when you're in your life 20 years later, a bomb is going to go off again. You know, that, it, that would be a pretty odd coincidence unless you're still in combat 20 years later, which is kind of, I think, maybe unusual. Um, maybe not for some people. But in the sense of complex PTSD, I think that what I'm talking about today is not all that uncommon. Is what I'm trying to get at. Kind of like Tony and Livia on The Sopranos. Like it's a relationship that just went on and on. It was like it just keeps going and it never ends. Um, so I think a lot of this... The reason I want to do this podcast today is... I experienced that today. I was around some people. And they're they're the key people where my trauma comes from. Um, and I've found ways of having a lot of boundaries with them. Um, but... I did have a little bit of a few moments of a loss of identity just for a little bit, you know, not completely, but I felt that kind of stirring to where it reminded me of when I was in my 20s and in my teens. And that loss of identity was huge. I mean, complete brain wipe, like just wipe my brain clean, you know, just forgetting. You forget your accomplishments. You forget what makes you happy. Like I talk about that essence thing you know, I would forget my essence, you know, it would all just evaporate, just poof. And then a lot of times it would just take certain environments and certain people to bring that back. And that's what I want to do on this podcast is point out ways to, environments to kind of watch out for and ways to bring back that feeling of identity, your sense of identity. Um, And what was interesting is whenever I was going through this, the first thing I thought about when I got back home today was... I should look back over my four rules to life that I, I made up, my four rules to life. And within the first rule was exactly the solution to what I'm talking about here. So I was like, well, there must be some proof in the pudding there. There's some truth to that first rule. Um, and it relates to making sure you engage with your hobbies. You know what your interests are. You engage with them and you share them with people. Because that is like a huge part of making sure you preserve that identity um, you know, knowing what your interests are, engaging with them. Like, I like the Spanish Civil War, and I actually checked out some books on Ernest Hemingway, which I'm going to read in the next couple days because he was a reporter, a war reporter for the Spanish Civil War. Um, so, just doing little things like that, having little reminders out. But a couple of environments um, I would say, watch out for environments that trigger you to shut down. Um, or not express yourself out of, like, fear. So if you're in an environment where you find yourself shutting down for whatever reason, um, or you're not wanting to express certain aspects of your personality, I definitely have had that experience a gazillion times um, through my teens, 20s, and 30s. Um, Even today, in my life today, I have that happen maybe occasionally. And sometimes I'll tell myself, well, maybe it wouldn't be appropriate to say this or that. You know, what environment am I in? Because um, a lot of times my, my closest friends, when I was in my 20s and 30s, they were people who, were, who would always say exactly what was on their mind no matter where they were. And I think I really loved them for that. Like, that was something that really drew me to them. They were just people who would just be completely themselves no matter where they were. Like, they could be like i I don't know in a an environment where they would be saying something where you'd be like don't say that here like that's not appropriate to them it was like they didn't care they would just say whatever i was always drawn to people like that and i think it was because maybe i felt like i could express myself with them about anything i wanted to no matter where we were you know i like that i will say sometimes in relationships like that with friends like that um There can be times where it was a bit much to where maybe we were in a situation and they were just being themselves completely, but it really was kind of inappropriate, something that they were doing in the place where we were. Um, Maybe that's just my opinion. Maybe I'm just being stingy. I don't know. But um, as I grew older, sometimes that type of situation, it would be a little bit like, you know. inappropriateness would be there to a level but at the same time it was still kind of funny so whatever Um, but the environment that triggers you to shut down or not express yourself out of fear um, that's when I definitely grew up with and I think that that just comes out of that fear of when you were being abused over and over again which is long-term trauma um, that abuse over and over again you know, maybe there are certain things about you, if you said certain things or did certain things, you'd get in trouble for, which may not have even been things that you should have been getting in trouble for, but maybe that inside fear is that amygdala in your brain, you know, triggering your brain, don't say this here because you're going to get in trouble or someone's going to hurt you, you know, it could be that, that red light, that stop sign in your brain saying that, um... So like sometimes when you have that fear, it may be of your own like making. Sometimes I think that it's my own making that I made up in my own head thinking this person will judge me or this person will come at me for something if I were to say this in this environment. That's very much in my own head and I might just be judging people. Um, but it also might be based on what other those people have said around me and then I start to create a concept of other things that maybe they would be for or against so then you start molding yourself around them i know that i've done that in the past and it's a it's a weird feeling and it's it's really just a waste of time um to do that uh if you if you find yourself you aren't comfortable i would just say find a good time to leave and don't don't look back i know that there's situations where maybe you can't do that like maybe it's your work environment And you can't just walk out on your job. Um, But I would say definitely try to find good boundaries to have in in these situations. Um, it, It took me years to find my circle of friends, so to speak. And it just makes me that much more grateful once I found my own personal circle of friends. And the reason I say that is the environment that I came from I feel almost like it wasn't made for me to grow up in it so I'm I'm speaking of kind of the town that I grew up in and the community and the school the high school I went to I really don't think it was where I was meant to be even though I was there but it was really like I was meant to be somewhere else and once I became an adult and I got to that other place I really was grateful once I found you know the people that I'd always been looking for kind of like the story of the what's it called the ugly duckling where he finds out he's like a swan you know I'm kind of tooting my own horn on that but that's kind of how it feels when you feel like that ugly duckling and then once you get away from the people that are squawking down on you you know making fun of you you get away from it and you realize you know they were terrible people or they were ridiculous for ever treating you that way. Um, other environments where you find yourself trying to figure other people out. And I wanted to bring this up because I was watching... There was a program on TV, and I won't say what it was, but it was a, It was kind of like one of those late-night shows, almost like um, the Bill Maher, Politically Incorrect. It was that type of a show where there's always, like, everything's very in-the-moment, something that's happened right now, and you have to know this lingo that's brand-new... And everything is almost like you're trying to keep up. Like you're trying to keep up or figure figure out what they're talking about. Um, I actually don't like those environments. I don't think they're really that healthy because it's almost like you're trying to play a game of catch-up and you're trying to fit in. And I just feel like it's almost it's almost like unhealthy for me to watch stuff like that. And I used to be obsessed with shows like that. Um, I used to be really into politics and... I know politics like the back of my hand, um, but I, I don't like to talk about it on here because I'm, I'm on here to talk about complex PTSD, um, which you could say comes from politics. Not really. But um, environments where you try to figure other people out, I tend to feel like it's almost like people sometimes speaking code. So whenever I was growing up, there were some people, and I'll just say they were involved in, I'll just say a group, they were in a group that kind of told them how to behave, um, and I always noticed when I was a teenager that these people kind of spoke in like a code. And then as I got older, someone basically told me they are speaking in a code because they're part of a group that basically informs them kind of how to behave. I know that sounds weird on this podcast. I'm being a little bit, I'm sp- I'm speaking around the bush or beating around the bush by what I'm trying to say, but they were speaking in a code. And I found out eventually that, yeah, it's true, that that is what was happening. Um, but I find when others are speaking in that code, or or they're speaking almost like they're in another language or something, um, sometimes it seems that way because they actually are trying to keep up with the other people in the group who were already speaking in the code, and it was something they wanted to know about more themselves. Like people who are trying too hard to fit in. Don't try and fit in with them too. That would be my advice. Just be you. Like, don't try and fit in with them. Don't try and learn their language. Like, just say, you know, nice to nice to meet you. And like, I would just my my recommendation would be um, to just move on. Just let them keep speaking in code. Um, I would say if you do find yourself in the company of people who don't respect you, or they try to bring you down, or you know this is something that happened today um, you know that they talk behind your back and they gaslight you because you see their behavior change when others are around that they've been talking about you too I've experienced this for years by the way um, that's really just a sign of that person's insecurity Whoever is talking about you behind your back and gaslighting you that's a sign of their own insecurity like big time And by the way, the person who is doing that, the person who's gaslighting you or talking behind your back, that person is clueless as to how obvious they are. Because once they're kind of caught in their own web, it is so obvious. Like when they're actually going through those steps of gaslighting you or talking behind your back, other people are aware. You can tell by how someone speaks that they're talking behind your back that they're talking behind somebody's back, you know. Um, So the person who's talking behind my back, I've actually had conversations with people that they talk to behind my back, and they don't know I've had these conversations. And we're all well aware that this person has, like, a condition, you know, and that's why they behave this way. Um, So one of the people, basically, where my complex PTSD comes from, that's a key trait that they do. They get, they try to gaslight me a lot, and I know that they do this. I'm aware of it. Um, but that person that does it to me, I know they are clueless as to how obvious they are, because they are obvious. It's obvious that they're really insecure. Like it's, it's painfully aware. It's painfully obvious. But they're clueless to it. They really are. Um, other people can see that they have an issue. If they're doing that, by the way, and don't let, if this is happening to you, don't let that insecure person get to you because other people are well aware of what they're doing. And if they're not well aware, they're going to be well aware eventually, but don't let them waste your time. Um, Also, while I was thinking of this topic today, as I mentioned a little earlier, I started to think about my four rules to live by and briefly... My 4 rules that I live by, and I just made this list up on my own about 6 months ago. The first rule is the main goal of being in a relationship with someone is because you want to spend and share your time with them based on your mutual interest. And within that first rule, your mutual interest, it's your interests, your hobbies, and you have to engage with your hobbies and share them with people. Your interests, that is like the heart of your identity. And that was what, that's just a big part of what I wanted to share in regards to how to kind of fight off when someone, when you feel like you're losing your identity, that's a big way to bring back your identity, get your identity back. My second rule is wish the best for those who have wronged you or been jerks to you and don't hold resentments or wish them harm because that person probably needs help and that's why they're being jerks to you. The third rule is don't engage in gossip and don't engage with social media that ends up with you being attacked because that's just a, leads to a whole feeling of being under attack and that goes into the whole fear thing. And then my fourth rule is plan for the tough times that are part of life. There's no such thing as job security. And originally I had said that I feel like sobriety is a big part of trust and that doesn't mean that you can't ever have like a drink of alcohol or do whatever it is. I'm just saying sobriety in the sense of you don't want to be a drunkard, you know, because I feel like people aren't going to trust you if you're a drunkard who's acting out. That's just a big part of planning for the tough times is having trust with people. Um, anything you take to an extreme, I feel like people aren't going to trust you. Um, and then within those four rules to life, I have Four things I think you should keep in your view to help you stay stable. And my first one is anything to do with exercise. Like I keep my workout equipment in view where I see it. It reminds me to eat healthy, get my protein. Protein helps me with sleeping, everything. Um, My second one is keeping like brain and logic, Sudoku, chess, those types of things out where you see them. Because anything to help your brain Increase, like, your thinking, your long-term thinking strategy skills, it really helps. Um, engaging with nature, which could be walks, it could be lots of things. And the one that I think is the most important out of everything to keep in your view and to follow it is a calendar. Because if you feel disorganized, it can create that brain fog. But if you keep a calendar out reminding you of what you need to do every week, it really helps get rid of the brain fog. But that was what I thought of today when I was thinking of this topic was it reminded me of those four rules to life and the importance of engaging with your hobbies and your interests. Um, So surprisingly, but not surprisingly, it led right back to those rules that I had created, which I had already created, you know, because I had felt this way before. Um, Another key thing to remind yourself of is your accomplishments. So like a graduation or You know, if you get promoted or if you get nominated for some skill or something. um, And really your skills are accomplishments too. And keep things in view that remind you of your accomplishments and remind you that this feeling of being like someone's target or feeling like you're losing that identity, it's nothing new. Just have like backup for when it happens again. Um, Like for me, I keep artwork out and poetry that I created in regards to the artwork that is directly influenced by my most painful experiences. So I literally turn those experiences into artwork to act as a reminder that I've been to this for, before and I know how to get out of it. It really helps get out of that brain fog mentality or like you know someone's hijacked your brain. Um, so in regards to feeling like a lost sense of self or lost identity, these are just some tips that I thought up, and it's important to remind yourself of them because, like I said, it happened today with me. Um, I started to have that feeling, and then I immediately started to think, okay, what's my backup? You know, how do I remind myself how to get out of this? Because those spider webs, when they start to kind of get created in relation to this, like when you start feeling like you're losing yourself and you're falling into that web, it can be really hard sometimes to get back out of it, so it's good to remind yourself of how to do that. This is the Complex PTSD Guy signing off.